0: The Hamlet Podcast, episode 160. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet, with me, your host, Conor Hanrity. We are still in the middle of this unpleasant exchange between Laertes and the churlish priest, who is determined to give nothing but the bare minimum in this funeral ceremony. More and more information has been delivered, but it's only in the last line we heard from Laertes that it's crystal clear that it's Ophelia's funeral. A ministering angel shall my sister be when thou liest howling. Until this point, Hamlet may have been curious as to whose funeral this might be, or increasingly concerned and even anxious, but it's only when Laertes gives this confirmation that it lands. He finishes Laertes' line of verse. What? The fair Ophelia? So now he knows. As he takes it all in, Gertrude speaks, and scatters flowers. Sweets to the sweet, farewell. I hope thou shouldst have been my hamlet's wife. I thought thy bride-bed to have decked, sweet maid, and not have strewed thy grave. Much earlier in the play, back in Act Three, Scene One. Gertrude said that she hoped indeed that Ophelia was the cause of Hamlet's distress and that she might be a means of making him happy again. Here she makes it even more explicit. She had hoped Ophelia would be Hamlet's wife. In yet a further example of ceremonies and rituals going the wrong way in this play, just as the funeral baked meats had fed the guests at Gertrude's wedding, or at least Hamlet said they did, Here, the flowers that might have made Ophelia's wedding bouquet, or been scattered on her wedding bed, are instead being strewn on her grave. Now Laertes speaks again. O treble, woe, fall ten times treble on that cursed head, whose wicked deed thy most ingenious sense deprived thee of. Hold off the earth a while, till I have caught her once more in mine arms.' Laertes is calling down curses and woe on the cursed head of the person whose wicked deed deprived Ophelia of her most ingenious sense. Presumably the wicked deed is the killing of Polonius, which led to Ophelia's breakdown. Everyone, Laertes included, knows that this was Hamlet, so it's a good time to watch the faces of those other characters to see just how they respond. Laertes is cursing Hamlet with apparently no fear of argument from the people around him. Next he says, Hold off the earth a while, till I have caught her once more in mine arms. He leaps into the grave to embrace Ophelia's corpse one last time. Obviously, this is melodramatic centuries before the word melodramatic appeared. It's unseemly, and the kind of outburst one hopes never to see at a funeral. Laertes continues... Now pile your dust upon the quick and dead, till of this flat a mountain you have made to o'ertop old Pelion, or the skyish head of blue Olympus. Even in this deep grief, Laertes is quite poetic. As he embraces Ophelia's body, he shouts out to the gravediggers to pile their dust, the ground they've dug up, on the quick and the dead. As we've had elsewhere in the play, quick is the opposite of dead alive or breathing. So Laertes is telling them to bury both of them, one living and one sadly dead. He tells them to keep piling it on until they've turned this flat piece of ground into a mountain, one tall enough to surpass Mount Pelion or even Olympus. These are both mountains in Greece, famous from mythology. Mount Olympus was the home of the gods, the tallest mountain in Greece. When the Titans attempted to reach it, wanting to take over, the myth goes that they dumped another mountain on top of Mount Pelion so that they could be high enough to access Olympus. Here Laertes echoes that story by suggesting they o'ertop old Pelion, getting high enough to reach the skyish head of blue Olympus. Blue because its peak is so high up in the sky. Now pile your dust upon the quick and dead... Till of this flat, a mountain you have made to o'ertop old Pelion or the skyish head of Blue Olympus As if things aren't dramatic and emotional enough, now Hamlet makes his move and reveals himself. If we are listening to the rhythm alone, as perhaps indicated by the verse and how it's divided, this scene is very dynamic. Laertes and the priest, and then Gertrude, and now Hamlet, all cut each other off as their lines seem to interrupt each other. Played well, you might not notice that it's all in verse at all. So Hamlet bursts forth and he says, What is he whose grief bears such an emphasis, whose phrase of sorrow conjures the wandering stars and makes them stand like wonder-wounded hearers? This is I, Hamlet the Dane. Maybe this is a weird way to announce himself. He asks who it is that might be justified in grieving so pointedly, whose sorrow is so articulate that it can conjure the stars in the sky and enchant them and make them stand still, shocked by what they hear. What is he whose grief bears such an emphasis? Whose phrase of sorrow conjures the wandering stars and makes them stand like wonder-wounded hearers? Again, it's intensely poetic language within this highly emotional scene. He then announces himself. This is I, Hamlet the Dane. He's never referred to himself like this before. Is this the beginning of his claim to the throne? Why should he announce himself like this, particularly to such a small group of people who know precisely who he is? I suppose it's nearly the Shakespearean equivalent of a superhero moment. He arrives and presents himself dramatically ready for action. What the next action may be really depends on the theatre. Tradition has it that Hamlet jumps into the grave with Laertes and the body, but this might depend on the stage. If the hole in the ground is too deep, many in the audience might not be able to see what's going on. Also, if it's the size of a grave and Laertes is already in there holding Ophelia's body, there might not be much room for Hamlet to jump in with them. The leaping in is a stage direction, and an apocryphal tradition, but it's not discussed in the text in any way. Not only that, it's Laertes who speaks next, so, if anything, the big dramatic move that happens after Hamlet announces himself should probably come from Laertes. His next line is that he shouts, The devil take thy soul. For my money, it could be just as dramatic to have Laertes jump out of the grave at this point and attack Hamlet. Laertes is praying that the devil will drag Hamlet to hell for all he's done to his family. The devil take thy soul. The verse has even more possibilities here. There are three half lines, and curiously, they fit together either way. It could be that the rhythm goes, Hamlet the Dane, the devil take thy soul. It's a full line of verse. My preference is for a little pause after Hamlet the Dane is announced, since that gives a beat for this funeral party to notice Hamlet, have a good look at him, and then the lines resume with Laertes bursting forth saying the devil take thy soul, thou prayest not well. Balancing these two lines creates conflict between the two men even in the rhythm of their language. Hamlet has an answer for Laertes, a provocation for everything he's going to say. Thou prayest not well is a patronising and cheeky response. He's saying that even this is something that he's doing wrong. The provocation works and a fight ensues, but we'll have to save that for the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. I'm always grateful for your company. And do be sure to visit the website, thehamletpodcast.com, for show notes, further information, and the full back catalogue of over 200 previous episodes. I hope you're staying safe and well, and I'll speak to you next time.